<laughs> and he's like, I think you have ulcers. And I'm sitting there with my dad, and he starts looking over the charts. Like, oh, so you drink two or three times a day? Like, why are you trying to call me out, bro? <laughs> like, it's like, oh, I'm just trying to make sure that that's what it is, because if you drink a lot, you have a higher tolerance to the drug we're going to give you, which is propofol, and you could wake up in the middle of the procedure and die. Now, I'm also pr familiar with propofol, because when I was in college, we used to put propofol in our drinks called, <laughs> it was called Liquid G. Yeah, it was like our own little roofie. But it wasn't like a roofie because you knew it was coming. It was like fun, you know? Like, <laughs> you put a drop of it in your drink, and you'd get drunk faster, and you'd save lots of money, which is weird because drinks were like $2 at the time. But <laughs> so be it. So I knew what propofol was. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, so... I'm like, yeah, up that number, buddy. I, I wasn't counting drinks. I'm sorry, I'm not Rain Man, you know? Welcome to the Blackout Diaries, the show where stand-up comics plus everyday people tell true drinking stories. I'm your host, Sean Bear Flannery. And I'm CJ Sullivan. Each week here on the Blackout Diaries, we have a different theme when it comes to the debauchery of drinking that comes with it. And this week is Shady Lawyers. Shady Lawyers. We have uh, not a shady lawyer, but uh, a guy who said he was a barely a lawyer for a long while, right, Paul right. Favar, who has a <laughs> hilarious story. Yeah. And uh, you and I both love Shady lawyers. Yeah, well, lawyer, <laughs> lawyers are always, yeah, we don't like the high power toy, but lawyers who like to bend the language a little bit, you know, and bend uh, whatever mm. the rules. Shady lawyers goes hand in hand because they're usually ba bailing you out of drinking situations. Yep. And they're usually involved um, in it as well with them in life. We know a bunch of shady. I like the barely yeah. lawyers. I like when people are, are you a lawyer? I, I dabbled in the 80s. I know people that like dabble. <laughs> yeah. I went there, won a case, got out of it. You know, got out of the game. Went into comedy I renew my bit. bar license You're from right. time to time. You know, just it's a good thing to have. You know? Yeah. And they always say when you talk to them, they always say, we're going to fight them. You know, because they haven't had a case in five right. years. They get and I'm excited. like, wait, I thought, everybody, I thought everybody compromises. I thought you never actually go, like, nope. We're, mm -hmm. you know, like you, like what happened to you? Like, we're going to call their bluff. And you that is what happened. That's what happened. This guy is so me. excited to, to get the dust off and, like, right. this is going to end in a bad way. <laughs> That is what happened to me, my my uh, my friend and poker buddy, I guess, is uh, uh, <laughs> Mr. Paul Doe. I can just call him by his name. I just did his podcast. Actually, he's uh, he's come out. Of when I when I had my I had just a driving incident where I was driving on a uh, suspended license. Whatever, it wasn't that big of a deal. I didn't think. Uh -huh. I mean, for what I got, could have reached an it. easy compromise, probably. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say it's more of a fine, but you know, whatever. It was bad. It was, you know, either way. So we go down there. And say, We're gonna fight. You know, put on your suit. We <laughs> go down, down there. <laughs> um, go downtown Chicago, and he's like, "All right, now they're saying they're saying you know they want to throw you in, you know, give you all these things, um, these swap days." Which is, uh, yeah. I talk about many times where I did get swap days, which stands for Sheriff's Work Alternative Program, which is like the chain gang stuff. He's like, he's like, trust me, 
They they throw this around all the time. We're gonna call their bluff. I'm like, who's bluff? The city, the cities. Chicago's bluffing. I don't. Chicago doesn't usually bluff. This isn't a poker. Yeah, game. this isn't a game. Everything was a poker term. You know, everything was like, okay, we're gonna. We're gonna they already, they, Let's see what lands on the river here. Exactly. <laughs> their first offer, we're gonna muck that. Okay, we're not even looking at that. That's it's the muck. We're gonna get, we're gonna get dealt a whole new hand on this one. All right, I think. You're raising the stakes here. There's no need to. Let's just, uh, you know, let's bow out. Yeah. We got we got two pair. Let's fold. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So he goes into another room. And he comes back out. He goes, okay, they weren't bluffing. <laughs> He's like, you got to come back next week. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> we got to bluff. It's hilarious. But I, yeah. you, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, no, I was it's just, just saying, so funny. Like, you, I had, Yeah. No, I was just saying, yeah, then he came Go. back and I got like one of the worst sentences like possible for what I got. I got like 30 <laughs> days when everyone else like well, I found out only got like a week of this thing. Of, like separate days in there like where, where even the other criminals were shocked. Like, damn, what did you yeah. do? Did you kill somebody? How'd you get 30 days of this? <laughs> I, like, uh, I wonder if even the if even the judges are like kind of like secretly dismayed and feel a little guilty about that. Like, like, man, that guy needs to get a new lawyer. Yeah. Like, almost like a coach who goes for it on right. fourth and 25. <laughs> like, what was he doing? You know? <laughs> like. Yeah. There's always that situation because the judge always has to confirm it. Now you, you, this is just lawyer speaking for you. Now you do agree with uh, what he's saying here. I might yeah. Yep, I guess that's what he said. Now, I mean, you you can stand out. This is all you. This is the last chance. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. I'm, and I'm not advising either way. I can't. In, I can't induce the action as a dealer here. <laughs> that's what he, he did. He did keep calling the judge the dealer, like he was like he like a card dealer. He <laughs> can't induce the action hilarious. either way. My buddy, um, he got caught for underage consumption. He got caught for it. It was a party in high school. We were all 21, but there were under there was like 19 year olds at this party. Mm -hmm. And he was charged with like, I can't remember what the exact charge was, but it was something like contributing to the delinquency of minors or something like he didn't realize that there were. I mean, I'm sure he if you had asked him, hey, is there a chance that somebody here is underage? Right. He would have said yes. But anyways, the cops break up the party and he had this this lawyer we loved just this like hilariously shady like yeah. he had to meet him at the Outback Steakhouse every time because the guy didn't <laughs> like he, like his his office was always being worked on. Yeah. <laughs> and he would do this trick that I, I always loved for negotiations where he was. So my my buddy John is like, you know, at the defendant's table or whatever right. that's called. And I guess this guy would just kind of annoy the judge by acting like he didn't understand or couldn't hear. Mm -hmm. And that was like his whole tactic. <laughs> like he had no legal arguments. <laughs> so like the <laughs> like the judge would say, okay, well that's uh that's 90 days in jail then. Yeah. He'd go, he'd go, 25 days? <laughs> he said, no, 90 days. And and then he would like, I guess he would act like he was writing stuff right. down. And Judd said he would just scribble. It would just be like mountains that he was driving. It'd be like, 25 days? No, ninety days. Can you hear me, counselor? Okay. Twenty-five. I got you. You know, okay. and if, fifteen. It <laughs> the is. Judge would Good give up. Here, right? <laughs> <laughs> he said it worked. Like he couldn't believe it. He did it, and like there was like because this was like seven guys who who um, lived together, and yeah. all five of them got this lawyer, and he did the same strategy for all of them, and they all got like twenty-five days or mm -hmm. whatever, and then the one dude who didn't go with this guy got ninety days, so it did work. 
That's amazing. <laughs> but I've always wanted to do that in negotiation. I've never, I've never had the wherewithal to like actually think of it. Just be like, you just say okay, and just keep saying what you want, and just right. see how they. <laughs> Apparently, that's actually. Up. I think it's called like I can't remember what it's called, but it's it, there's an exact name for it. It's like this Irish name, of course, because it's a cop technique. Mm-hmm. I think it's called the Reed technique, but that's actually a I guess how they teach cops how to get confessions. Mm. That you like you just whatever they say that doesn't align with how you want to charge this person or get a confession, <laughs> like you right. don't argue with them. Just yeah. act like you didn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the lawyer we had? Um, you had him on the Blackout Diary show once, right? Time before we get to Paul real quick. Is uh, Prescott's tax lawyer, his attorney. Oh, Remember my God. That? that guy was great. He, he yeah. Uh, Glenn. That was, yeah, that was one yeah. of those classic. Oh, you got to get him on there. And he got <laughs> They can't find that guy anymore. Like I don't know if he went on the lamp. He was another guy. Show or did you have Prescott tell the story about it? (laughs) No, he Prescott told the story about it. I was never able to. I actually reached out to this guy to try and get him to do uh, my taxes, but Jess is like, "You are not letting him anywhere near (laughs) our fine." He had the real quickly before we bring Paul. Like the one, the there were amazing stories about that guy. But my favorite was when. Prescott was dating somebody at the time where her W-2 uh, came back or what, whatever, the, the tax yeah. thing came mm-hmm. back. And though she didn't owe any more money, it said she made a lot more money at her, the restaurant she worked at than yeah. what she really did. So he called – Mark was actually his name. She, uh, Prescott calls Mark, this shady uh, yeah. lawyer accountant. And he's like, what's going on here? And he would speak in this super New York accent. Right. He's like, okay um, – so what's probably happened, you're sure that she didn't make anywhere near that money? He's like, absolutely not. Like, I mean, like, it's over by like 40 grand. He's like, okay, this is what's happening. They probably have illegals that they can't put on the books. So they're hiding their salaries and hers. And he goes, okay, um, like, are we going to owe any more taxes? You're not going to owe any more taxes. He goes, okay, like, is there a way we could make some money off this? He goes, I love where your head's at, because that's where I'm at right now. He goes, first question, and this is very important, are they mafia? Because <laughs> what I'm about to do will yeah. get us killed if they're mafia. <laughs> and it was like, second question, does she enjoy working there? Because after yeah, that this, was his next question. Because after this, she will never be able to return back. Yeah, and Prescott was like, she really loves it. He's like, okay, that might be a problem. <laughs> Is she married to that? Are you married to her? We're going to yeah. get around this. <laughs> yeah, that guy was amazing. <laughs> That seems like a typical you move. We got to get a hit on all the family taxes. He's nowhere to be found. <laughs> I got to work with this guy. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so we got a great episode coming up with other other fun uh, shady lawyer talk and lawyer activities. But right now, we have a guest with us who is a lawyer and a comedian, Mr. Paul Farr. Was a, I think he was technically still is a lawyer. We'll yeah. have to ask him about that. This but it a- was a practicing lawyer, now just a full-time stand-up comedian. It's it's weird how many we know about that. Like there's a, like I don't know a handful over a handful of oh, ex practicing lawyers that get into comedy. You'll see how these worlds like <laughs> cross. <It's> like, <laughs> well, they're also like lawyers are huge drinkers. Like every yeah. statistic on like the hardest drinking profession is always lawyers. No. Interesting. All right. Well, anyway, without further brew, let's get into it with the hilarious Miss Paul Farhar. <laughs> 
Okay, you got Paul? I was thinking about that question about the weirdest thing someone ever said to me before sex, and the lady said, pull out that chubby little thing. Has nothing to do with my story, but I just figured I'd answer that. And I'm five, nine and a quarter, so. <laughs> I, uh, I'm happy to be back in Chicago. Chicago's home for me. Um, I tour a lot. I was in uh, Denver last week. Cool city, four stars out of 10. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> next week, I'm going to Florida because I uh, visit my brother. He's integral to the story. He's the, he's my older brother. He's the favorite. He's like the MD, PhD neurosurgeon. And, I'm here with you guys, so like. <laughs> I grew up uh, not too far from here in a, in a tough neighborhood called uh, Oak Brook, Illinois. <laughs> the subdivision I grew up in was called Ginger Creek. You can't leave there without becoming a delicate pussy. Like, I didn't fight, but I figure skated. But in high school, uh, we drank a lot. When I was 16, I drank every Thursday, Friday, Saturday for till I was an adult. <laughs> every Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And not just like two or three drinks. We like drank a lot every day. And then when I was 17, um, this thing came out called Young Life. Did you guys have Young Life? Oh, yeah. So Young Life was a, a Christian group uh, on Wednesdays where we can play music and listen to stories about Jesus and also drink. So by 17, I'm a half Muslim, half Jew going to Christian things on Wednesday just because it was another day to start drinking. So now you have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Me and my friends drank all the time. Then for my 17th birthday, my older brother, uh, who is pictured here. Oops. Oops. I went too far. I went too far. <laughs> don't look. Don't look. Don't boss me. Here we go. It's not showing up. There we go. My brother, uh, who's uh, eight years older than me, for my 17th birthday, decided to go to the DMV to take a picture to look like me. So instantly, I had a fake real ID that said I was 24 years old. And I was the coolest kid in high school because I could buy everyone alcohol, right? And he had to go to the DMV and close his mouth because I had... Um, I don't know if you can see that, but I had those clear braces, which are just fucking yellow. <laughs> and he had to close his mouth at the DMV for the picture to look like me. And uh, we looked enough, like enough, close enough to, to, to make the ID work. So I had a fake real ID and I was the coolest kid in high school. And uh, by the time I was 17, I was going to the same liquor store every day called Prestige Liquors in Downers Grove, Illinois. Shout out to Prestige. And now, if you're keeping track, we started drinking every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I drank more when I was 17, 18 than I did as an adult. Because we were fucking idiots, right? There was nothing else to do. And the guy who owned the store was a 75-year-old Indian guy named Raj. That's not him, but I just Googled 75-year-old Indian guy. <laughs> but it kind of looked like him. Raj, R-A-J. So Raj and I became friends because I was his best customer. I was there every day. 
buying alcohol at Prestige Liquors. And uh, Raj thought I was my brother, right? Because I go in there overacting like my brother, right? I'd be like, oh, medical school's so tough. We had to dissect a frog today. But sometimes I forgot that I was my brother or that I had to be my brother. And I would act like I pictured myself to be at 24 years old, right? So I'd be like, oh, medical, you know, law school's so tough. <laughs> My band is touring with the Gym Blossoms right now. <laughs> like the ideal version of what I thought I would be at 24, right? And so we'd go to Prestige every day. There it is right there. And, uh, and I was there, I, w I was there literally every fucking day. Senior year, 18 years old, the summer going into our senior year, my friends and I, a group of friends of ours, decided that we would split a bottle of hard liquor every night for the 30 days leading up to the first day of school. <laughs> we created two-man teams. And the first few were easy. Why? Because we're fucking idiots. I don't know. I don't know why we did it. We just thought we were preparing for college. We were like, oh, when we go to college, we're going to drink so much. And we did it. And the first few weeks, it was vodka and like tequila and the good stuff. And then we went to like stuff that was no longer optional, like gin. We lost a lot of people when gin came up. But like, we did it. We did it every day. And then towards the end, the last night before college, we did uh, Jägermeister, right? We didn't have... We didn't have Malort yet in the 90s. <laughs> but that night, we ran out. We f my friend Ryan and I finished the bottle of uh, Jägermeister, so we decided to go into Prestige Liquors again to get a second bottle of Southern Comfort. And I went in there that day. I've already drank half of a bottle of Jägermeister. And I go in, Raj is crying. Let's bring back fake Raj again. Oh, that's not him. I'm like, what's wrong, Raj? He's like, I think I have skin cancer. I'm like, oh, I'm sure it's fine. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, look at this. And he shows me his face. He's like, you're a doctor. Will you examine me? So I said, sure. And I start like slapping his face around. I don't know what to do. And he's like, should I take off my shirt? I'm like, yeah, why not? <laughs> he takes off, and this wasn't, there was no WebMD in 1996, okay? So like, I'm like, people are walking in and he's got his shirt off and I'm like inspecting this mole shit on his, on his body. And I didn't know what to do, but I was 16 or, no, at this time I was 18. I'm like, you know what? It's just, uh, it's just moles. You gotta put Vaseline on it for a couple days. <laughs> Raj is dead uh, <laughs> of natural causes. He was 75 in the 90s. Relax. <laughs> but uh, that next day, what's that? R.I.P. That's right. That's, that means dead. Uh, R.I.P. R.A.J. Huh? So, uh, so, uh, so we, uh, next day I go to school, I'm, I'm fucking miserable. I thought my mom would call me out, she did it. I threw up all day, and you would think that I'd learned my lesson, but for 20 years, up until that point, I kept drinking almost every day, right? 
I, I slowed down in college or whatever. And then um, cut to 37 years old, and I start having all kinds of like stomach problems, right? I go to my doctor, and my doctor's like kind of a dick to me all the time. He's like, oh, you need to take better care of yourself, or don't eat after 8 p.m., you're too fat, or you're a constant disappointment <laughs> to me and your mom, you know? <laughs> the regular shit. So I had to go to a specialist, because my stomach stuff was, uh, my dad didn't know what it was. So we went to Dr. Cho, which is my brother-in-law. We're like own little family clinic. And he's like, I think you have ulcers. How often do you drink? I'm like, you know, two or three times a week. And his eyes got like really big. I mean, he's Asian, Asian, so it's relative, you know? <laughs> he's my brother-in-law. And then he's like, well, how many drinks do you have per sitting? And right then I turned into a girl in college when she's asked how many guys she slept with, you know? <laughs> like, which ones count? So in my head, I'm like, well, drinks, drinks after midnight don't count. That's like a whole nother day. <laughs> Shots don't count, you know? And he said, per sitting, you were standing for most of the night, you know? <laughs> so I told him two drinks. So I had to schedule uh, to do an endoscopy. You know, that's when they put a tube down your throat to see what's going on in your stomach. And I had to go to an anesthesiologist with uh, a significant other, which in this case was my dad. And uh, <laughs> we go there, and the anesthesiologist is this young guy with like long hair. He looked like a guy I bought Coke from at a fish concert, you know? <laughs> and I'm sitting there with my dad, and he starts looking over the charts. I go, like, oh, so you drink two or three times a day? Two, two or three times a week, two drinks per sitting? Like, why are you trying to call me out, bro? <laughs> like, it's like, oh, I'm just trying to make sure that that's what it is because if you drink a lot, you have a higher tolerance to the drug we're gonna give you, which is propofol, and you could wake up in the middle of the procedure and die. <laughs> now, I'm also pr familiar with propofol because when I was in college, we used to put propofol in our drinks called <laughs> It was called Liquid G. Yeah, it was like our own little roofie. But it wasn't like a roofie because you knew it was coming. It was like fun, you know? Like, <laughs> you put a drop of it in your drink and you'd get drunk faster and you'd save lots of money, which is weird because drinks were like $2 at the time. But <laughs> so be it. So I knew what propofol was. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, up that number, buddy. I, I wasn't counting drinks. I'm sorry, I'm not Rayman, you know? <laughs> So I go under, and then uh, I wake up towards the end of the procedure, right? And I wake up, I see my dad, Dr. Cho, my brother-in-law, and this guy. And I'm just like, oh, put me back under. <laughs> I just came up with a great idea. <laughs> it's like Groupon, but for like rich people, you know? <laughs> and, th and they just were ignoring me, right? I'm like, put me back under, pen and paper. <laughs> they don't put you back under. And then I just kind of look at my dad, and they start asking me questions like, how do you feel? Are you okay? I'm just like, mm -hmm. well, not answering anything, because I'm pissed. And then my dad's like, what's your problem? I'm like, you're my problem, dad. <laughs> I just came up with a great idea, and you never believed in me. I could have been the next Persian Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> my dad just looks at me and goes, Paul, rich people don't need Groupon. You're a constant disappointment to me and your mom. <laughs> <So> <laughs> So my idea for Groupon never came to fruition. That's me with my stomach. But I stopped drinking, and now uh, I'm drinking Diet Coke. So uh, this is your future, guys. <laughs> That's it. Thank you.
And we're back at the Blackout Diary, C.J. Sullivan, Sean Bayer, Flannery, and you just heard from the hilarious Paul Farvar, who is here in the studio with us, and I think I pronounced your name correctly because I just saw a big surprise mm. shoot out of your head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was correct. <laughs> I'm shocked. After 10 years, Sean, proud. 10 years and instructions 45 seconds ago, and I still had it at 50-50. <laughs> if he was going to get it right or not. I know. I would have bet you. I would have texted you on a side bet on that, CJ, and, and probably I wouldn't have thought he'd make it. Right. So, the over-under. amazing. So what's up, Paul? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for joining us. Um, yeah, you're all it, you're a regular on the live show. Uh, you're always hilarious. I loved um, the story you did last time that we just heard about uh, using your brother's ID because I I yeah. think that's a great benefit that goes under discussed at a national level. Like the the um, the gift of having older cousins or yeah. brothers that you can borrow the ID from. Yeah, I mean that that was kind of a game changer for our group of friends. I know you guys had, uh, I know CJ's story with his fake ID mm-hmm. um, and all that stuff that you tell, but like having that ID was a game changer. I mean, we were all pretty aggressive drinkers uh, already, but then having the ability to get alcohol without any problem whatsoever <laughs> changed everything. And of course, for, for better or for worse, I mean, who knows? Changes the uh, mindset. You know, you know, it, I mean, it, it, that takes away so much anxiety of the part, you know, the part of, well, we'll pick it up on the way. What are you talking about? Like, you yeah. know, normally that would take planning on how to do like a caper. <laughs> it's like whatever. doing a bank job. Right. Exactly. It was a you got to case the place. Yeah. Go ahead, Paul. No, no, no. It was a done deal. Like we knew, like, uh, I know, I remember senior year, like Fridays, we all ditched Friday school. We all got into college already. So. My friends and I, my mom would call me and I, I have the record at Hinsdale Central for the most Fridays consecutively missed. Me and another friend of mine did it. But the goal was that I would, whenever I'd wake up, uh, I'd go to the liquor store mm-hmm. and get the keg for the party. So me and my friend Garrett would start drinking at like whatever, one o'clock on his, at his pool where the party was. And then um, people would start trickling in when they got back to school. But like the question of having alcohol was never an issue. Like people be like, Oh, don't forget to get me a bottle of Jameson or whatever. So like we were set and, um, and then if alcohol ran out, never a problem either. We just be like, all right, someone drive Paul to the liquor store. And it's that sibling. Yeah. It's that sibling. You feel like that, like that sibling privilege, you know, with the ID people don't, that's, that really hasn't been encapsulated in movies. Usually, when I like the, the, yeah. the benefit of yeah. like for you know wholesome things like cheating and relay races and stuff like that, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, like yeah. that's what real siblings are for. You take the abuse because one day you're going to get his ID. Yeah, I mean, and we look alike, so it works out perfectly in terms of well, your just, brothers. Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> but it, it just was such a, a, a and he was like seven years older than me, so it was mm-hmm. like from day one. Uh, I had an ID and you, you take it for granted because you'd see other people be like, Oh, how did you guys get alcohol all the time? I'm like, Oh yeah, we never really had a problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously my social status climbed because um, I could buy everyone alcohol and I was invited to every party. Yeah. So that, I have a friend who had the same thing where he looked um, just like his cousin and everyone knew him just because he could get you alcohol. Like, like he knew everyone at our high school. And yeah. Now, he ran into a problem, I don't know if this ever happened to you, where one of the clerks knew his cousin, 
whose ID he was using. And like, did that ever happen? Was no. there any overlap? Uh, no. no. Oh, that's the only, perfect. The only problem was, and I, I did, I don't know if I told it uh, at the, this time. I think I did, but like, the only problem was I'd forget because I was so insane on like creating this backstory that I was my brother. And sometimes I would forget that I was my brother. So I'd like slip up and be like, oh, we're at prom. And he's like, what? I'm like, I mean, you know, because we're so comfortable. Yeah. We were so comfortable yeah. being, and I, you know, my brother was like 23 when I was 16 or whatever, or 24. So like, I had to remember what a 24 is because we'd, we'd have small mm -hmm. talk and it wasn't just that guy. It was all the liquor stores. Cause yeah. keep, it, keep in mind, we are probably their best customer in all the liquor stores <laughs> in town. <laughs> right. Think If you think about it, we're not going to bars. So like people who are in their twenties yeah. probably go to bars one night or two nights of the week. We were drinking at homes every day. We didn't, I couldn't go to a bar because mm -hmm. I didn't have any other friends who had IDs. So I was buying everyone alcohol and I never had to pay for alcohol either. So that was another plus. Oh boy. Yeah. Working it out. That's hilarious. Yeah, like how much is a case of Keystone light? Uh, $15. <laughs> no one's going to, what, they're going to ask me for a receipt. So, yeah, no, you're a That's, doctor. You're a doctor. Feel good to your friends. Upcharging, yeah. doing the whole thing. That's the situation. And right, you deserved right. every penny. Yeah. And then, exactly. um, where are you going to, where are they going to go? Who would have thought after all that, you then become a lawyer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ironically. Did you, did you go? Did you go right into to law school uh, after college, or? Yeah, I went straight through. The plan was I was um, if I didn't get into a good law school, I was going to take a year off because I I was in a band and I thought that I wanted to at least try it. Mm -hmm. um, but then when I got into law school at Illinois, where my bandmates were all undergrads, um, I was like, oh, screw it, we could still we could still play. And then um, I went straight through. Mm hmm. What's I mean, that's got to be a weird situation to be a stand up comic. I, I know now you're a full time stand up comic and you're not really a practice. You, you know, you're not actively taking cases and so on. Mm -hmm. But for a while, you were also a lawyer while doing stand up yeah. comedy. Right. So you like you're hanging out with all these dirtbag comics and all that. They're probably asking you for like free legal advice for DUI. Like, like what was yeah. that like to be in both those worlds? I mean, I still take legal advice. Look, I mean. The thing is, uh, it was it was hard at first, obviously, just because of schedule practicality stuff, because, you know, I couldn't really hang out with comics too late because I knew I had court in the morning because I, I was a I was a litigator. So I was in court pretty much every morning. Mm. And so uh, so that part of it was hard. But in terms of answering questions and stuff, I still love answering them because one out of 20 cases will be a real case and I could refer to that to an attorney and I get a referral fee on all those cases. So like when someone gets injured and they're like, Hey, does anyone know a lawyer? I'm just like, Hey, what's up? And uh, <laughs> I'll just go on Facebook. And if it's a good case, you know, that's, that's my bread and butter right now. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I didn't mean, know that. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. That's a yeah. good way I to mean, make money out of comedy. Yeah. Just you're introducing <laughs> people. Yeah. Like, yeah. You idiots just keep on being idiots. <laughs> and then I'll, the uh, problem is like some of the cases aren't, I mean, they're not, I, I'll refer, I won't make money on some of them, but I'm helping other l lawyers out who can right. eventually help me out. But like the, the ideal situation is uh, finding a, a comedian willing to, get hit by a car a sure. nice car 
driving very slowly yeah and taking that you know broken leg you know that's the case that you want that's gonna sustain me for you know one year i was gonna say that can't be too hard to get that's the way comedy is now basically it's all youtube (sighs) pranks and shit like that and people doing it anyway and getting assaulted i've tried i've tried to talk people into it i'm like hey guys you're you sober right now just go walk across the street i mean if it's like 11 o'clock at night outside a laugh factory or zany's or something like that you're gonna get hit by somebody who's in a nice car I can't. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine you see, watch someone bomb. You gotta be the way they want to kill themselves anyway. <laughs> Say, listen, things aren't working out for you. Right. Let's turn this into a good thing. All right. Well, it's best it case scenario. It's a win-win, right? If you get hit and you die, yeah. you're already upset. Oh, right. Yeah. What do you got to lose? You know, or, you hop in there and maybe it'll give you some material. You know, yeah, you can turn this all around. Yeah, as long as we don't get in trouble for fraud and uh, this <laughs> this episode doesn't really play out in real life, we'll be good. But um, hopefully, you guys don't have a listenership with the the feds. But um, yeah. no, I don't. I don't think we're on their radar. No, did, they we did the guess, but they're not a, not listeners. Did that ever happen where opposing counsel knew you were a lawyer and like tried to dig up clips or something to discredit you in court or any? Like, I would almost imagine yeah. you almost need to keep those lives private. That they knew that I was a comedian. You mean, yeah, like I, yeah, uh, yeah it, it was mm. harder when I, when I was a musician. It happened a few times. Um, it actually happened once where uh, the judge's clerk, I used to coach tennis and and uh, I was her coach okay. at, uh, when I was in she was I was a high school tennis coach and I didn't recognize her. But like the judge took me aside. It's like, look, she knows you. Um, I've had jurors knew knew me from comedy or from mm-hmm. music, like they had seen me, and uh, and I remember we had I had a, a one time I was on I was on WGN morning show playing guitar in one of my bands during a jury trial, and uh, I had to like disguise myself. <laughs> So they wouldn't. How did you disguise yourself? I want to hear yeah, about right. this. I wore I wore fake glasses uh-huh. and a hat and a hat, mm-hmm. and it was it was just like two songs. And I asked the the cameraman. I was playing bass, I think, in that band. I was like, just don't don't show a lot of me close up, because I mean, literally, it was like six in the morning, and then I was going to to jury. It was yeah. like three week jury trial for a wrongful. Uh, it was a big case. It was a uh, it was wrongful. Um, <laughs> wrongful imprison wrongful imprisonment sure. of a mm-hmm. person uh it was in the news and everything i'm like well shit if they like see that the <laughs> third, I was, base i mean i was news. like third chair on the case i wasn't the the head lawyer but it was mm-hmm. like it was a big case uh paul if i didn't know you you sound like a great con artist I yeah, mean, I, I was actually kind of thinking that, like, if I were the cameraman that day, yeah. I'd be like, "This guy has seven outstanding warrants right. for his arrest." <laughs> well, That's you why, know, yeah. I'm a lawyer. I got a big case later today, uh, so if you could just blur my eyes out, what? And, and you're playing, you're playing bass on this morning show? Yeah, well I mean, then I then I got tennis lessons after that. I'm a, I'm a big tennis I'm a big tennis coach like at the, the high school. <laughs> I've lived a lot of lives. I mean, on paper it sounds interesting, but like. Look, for that band, the WGN thing wasn't a big deal because the lead singer was a, a hot female. Okay. So I was like, they're not going to fucking yeah. show me anyway. So I was just like, but just in case. Because right. I did have I did have a case where a juror did recognize me from, um, it wasn't for comedy, from music. And uh, and uh, the, the, we had to like, we didn't know if we should keep her on the trial because we're like, well, what if she didn't 
like me, you know? Yeah. Um, Just your luck. You found a girl that recognized you because everyone's looking at your yeah. hot girl lead singer, and she's the only one yeah, not yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're guys, you guys are the uh, backup like in, no, in no doubt. Everyone's looking right. at Gwen Stefani, then you idiots no inside. <laughs> no, they, she had saw me at like some like bar. I used to play like like guitar in the corner at like Duffy's yeah. on, like, mm-hmm. or like Lion's Den or some shit like that. But like, um, but yeah, I mean, as far as other lawyers, they were usually cool and judges were usually cool about my schedule. Um, there were some assholes who would be like, they knew that I had like, um, I had uh, shows and stuff on the road or something mm-hmm. towards the end. And they would be like, they were like, no, we're not going to move this date. Like if we had a date on a Monday, I'm like, hey, I'm going to be out of town. Like, well, what are you going to be out of town for? I'm like, right. don't don't make me say it. You know, you know what's going on. <laughs> I'm at the Giggle Hut. Yeah, yeah. Comedy club names are the worst. You, yeah, you know? for sure. Right. Yeah. I always yeah, love I mean, those lawyers that like you could tell like they want to hold on to their like 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 I imagine you know other lawyers that come like like that used to be in a band like like had like the the professional ponytail you right. know like down the legs whatever <laughs> they keep like it up, a like, mullet yeah, yeah exactly yeah. but they tied up for the business for the courtroom you know but like i i'm still holding on to my rocker my soul of freedom you know <laughs> that was you me. were the opposite you were a rocker that looked like a lawyer yeah. right well i was i was a musician before i did law i mean i i did full-time uh i was a part-time lawyer full-time musician and band manager for most of my career. And then I gave that up to practice law full time for like, I'd say seven years. And then comedy kind of took over my life. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it was most, most lawyers were cool about it, mm-hmm. but the ones that were dicks were dicks. And sure. like, um, mm-hmm. it was like, look, dude, the job is already hard enough. I was always like cool about everything when like mm-hmm. dates or depositions, like there were, but there were assholes. I'm just like in every, of every career. Sure. Well, and a lawyer asshole, like cops and lawyers, those are the kind of jobs where if you're already an asshole and now you have like power, you're yeah. going to be insufferable. Right. Um, That's, that happened a lot towards I'm the sure. end. But then I just I just didn't care. Like, I just be like, look, I'm more, I was already on the way out for like the last three years I was practicing. So I was like, all right, well, whatever. If I lose, I lose. I'm What's sure my common? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's the most common question you get, like when people at parties find out you're a lawyer? Like, but, do they ask you, like, uh, way, "Oh, can I sue my girlfriend about this or that?" <laughs> the biggest. Saying, what, what a great, what a great thing for your client to hear. Hey, if we lose, we lose. Well, let's just, well, let's give it the, let's give it our best shot. What do you say, guys? Well, maybe not a little different approach. I was thinking, but okay. <laughs> I would never, if it was like a trial, the bigger stuff. I was nah, always yeah. like the go-to, but like little shit, like someone bring a motion to compel me to produce a document. I'm like, dude dude, you're going to get it in like two weeks. And they're like, we need it now. <laughs> right. And it's just like, they're just spending, wasting time to fucking build their clients. And I was never that guy, which is why I was a good lawyer. Cause I'd be like, I didn't want to do work. We yeah. get paid by the hours we bill. And I was like, I didn't want to do work that wasn't necessary. So I, my, my, uh, my bills were a lot less than a lot of lawyers because I wouldn't fuck around. I would just mm-hmm. be like, I'm not going to waste my time doing a motion that like if if something was we needed documents, um, but we need them now. But I could bring a motion to say, bring it tomorrow or I could just wait two weeks and get it. I'm not going to spend like two hours drafting a motion, then going to argue it. It's just wasted money. But um, 
yeah, I don't know. Where were we going with that? I don't know. Oh, you're <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I love that idea, though, that, you know, there's a famous Bill Gates quote. I mean, he didn't actually say it with somebody else, but the quote is, uh, oh, if I actually want a problem solved efficiently, I give it to a lazy person because, yeah. you know, or, or somebody who hates their job. And, and it came right. from these studies on um, it came from a study on brook bricklayers and they found that over the course of the day, the people who hated their job, who just hated bricklaying, were actually the best mm-hmm. because they wasted no motion. They they despised right. being that they wouldn't do one extra step. Whereas like <laughs> the go-getters right. were like winded by noon, you know? Yeah. So there's something to be said for that, for just not being that passionate about the day job. I wasn't, I mean, I, I liked the job. I actually never hated lawyering except for like when they were asshole lawyers. But the problem was like towards the end, I had to pick my battles. I'm like, look, I could make, you know, all this money preparing these motions or I'm going to go on tour with this headliner and I'm going to get to get to perform all these shows. And like, I could just get done today, get on a flight and not have to worry about it. So hey, like, you're still lying to people, ba- you know, but this time yeah. it's in, in, in a better way. They would get the laugh yeah. out of it <laughs> instead of, instead of getting a thousand dollars, I'm getting, you know, a hundred dollars and two drink tickets. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it was, a, it was a good combination, but you asked me about like what people most often ask about. Yes. And, uh, the the question that most often I'm emailed about, text about, or asked about are like landlord issues. Oh, Every fucking comedian that. has like, and they'll say stuff, and I'm just like, yeah, you you. They're like, I'm just not gonna pay. I'm like, well, you can't just not pay. <laughs> like, there are <laughs> solutions to doing it. Right. And though, and the funniest stuff is like when people think, and I I think I I. I did this joke on stage, but it was based on a true comedian was like, he thought that his lease was discriminatory because they allowed cats, but not dogs. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's bullshit. My dog's right. so small. And I'm like, yeah, but it's the landlord's decision to not have dogs. And he's like, well, that's discrimination. I'm like, your dog is a Mexican Chihuahua. He doesn't have a rights of a person that's of Mexican descent. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember the comedian, like literally didn't believe, like, he's like, you don't know what you're, you're not even a (laughs) full-time lawyer. I'm like, and then I think I said, that's amazing. In the joke, I say, you're right. You know, I didn't even think about that. Go show the judge a picture of your dog. He's so cute. But in (laughs) in reality, I did say, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Just go see. I I didn't think about it. And then like, of course I was right, but it was like, (laughs) But that's a comedian, like really, that's a real thing that happened. And I made it into a joke, but I have shit like that all the time where, you know, people will be like, is this, is this sexual harassment? I'm like, no, that's not sexual harassment. No, like, it doesn't exist in the comic world. For sure. Mostly involving Sean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. Hilarious. But like there'll be, there'll be stuff that I had, a, I had a, a comedy person reach out to me saying that they were discriminated against because they their <laughs> the uh their boss said that they hired them because they were black and i was like well you got hired right i'm like, like the person was like yeah i'm like well then <laughs> what's, the what's your what's your <laughs> discrimination <laughs> they're like well they discriminated i go they they discriminated for you not against you right and they're like well isn't that isn't that wrong? I'm like, I, I guess if another guy didn't get the job because of you, 
and was more like he may have a case. Yeah, he may have he a case. Have a Do you case. have his number? <laughs> <laughs> but I remember the person was just like shocked that yeah. they didn't have a case. I'm like, listen to yourself. And I and it was like it was like I think they were like, I'm gonna ask a real lawyer. I was like, okay. <laughs> That's a hundred percent. That, that's story. a great album title. I'm gonna ask a real lawyer. <laughs> like, I love how like half these yeah. stories end with that. Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, shit like that happens all the time. But then, like, there are like real cases that I get all the time too, where, uh, you know, during the, um, during the uh, the 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 marches or the riots after Floyd, there were a lot of comedians that got in trouble, and I I had a, a lawyer friend who's like did criminal law. And, we were able to help a lot of people. Um, I didn't make money off that, but I was like, cool mm-hmm. to be able to help some young guys who, you know, kind of got shafted. Um, and then, um, yeah, but you know, the, the shit that some comedians do, obviously DUI stuff happens all the time. You represented the cops that uh, killed George Floyd. That's very, very noble. <laughs> I did. They got I, sha- they, I agree. They got shafted, Paul. I'm glad you can tell all our audience. Derek Chauvin just got stabbed. He got he stabbed. Did. Yeah. In jail, gonna, obviously. Yeah. yeah, he got yeah. In jail. We'll was, see how. It, yeah. Was he in Gen Pop? Um, I mean, that's, that was bound to happen. It was a I, medium security prison, mm-hmm. but yes, I, um, I think he, uh, I think he was. Yeah. I, I actually, uh, I, for, first of all, I do need to disclose that I did represent cops on a lot of cases involving sure. stuff. That was I defended cities mostly. Um, I never had a case where like my moral compass was was harmed. Um, mm-hmm. I was kind of like the cop whisperer because I was more liberal than than most. Um, people that were defending them but i did say that when derek chauvin got um convicted i was like he'll be dead in in a year <laughs> yeah was, i thought I was so like, too actually i was like looking i remember whenever that happens uh there was another one in chicago where that happened i was like oh man like this is this isn't gonna end well mm-hmm. at all <laughs> but um yeah, it's like tossing yeah. tango and cash in there. They're going. They're going to be. They're going to be targets. <laughs> <laughs> they are um, targets. Paul, uh, before you leave, uh, I know you always got like a thousand projects going on. Could you tell our listeners uh, how they can follow more of you or anything you want to promote? Uh, yeah. Uh, when is this airing? I don't know. This will probably air in the next two to three weeks. Okay. Um, well, if this is before December tenth, I'm doing a fundraiser for stand up for Parkinson's at Zanies and Rosemont. Uh, December 10th. I'm headlining that. And then I'm starting a new podcast called Why Are You Awake uh, in December as well, where I interview comedians who are night owls and uh, and other people that are night owls, basically, and talk about their lives. That's fun. Do you oh, re- that's awesome. Do you record late at night, too? Or is it you? Yeah, we do. We record. record. Yeah. Awesome. We record mostly late at night. After shows, it's mostly fun yeah, to talk yeah. to people a- after they've had a show, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun show. It'll be on YouTube and uh, on my old Singles Only channel from podcast. I love, yeah, the Singles Only podcast. Dude, very good. It's over. Scene. Yeah, obviously, all your careers are dating heavy. I think tennis instructor, lawyer, <laughs> musician, <laughs> all kind of. <laughs> I mean, let's 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 be honest. All this stuff sounds cool, but why am I not doing them anymore? You know, like there's another thing to <laughs> right. think about. Like, yeah, tennis. Yeah. 
I was not because good. you're because you're a con artist and you leave a messy back and you leave a <laughs> yeah. messy thing behind you. I love it. Hey man, and it's good to have a law degree so I can defend myself when yeah. people finally figure it out. <laughs> That's got to awesome. have that exit strategy. Well, thank you uh, so much for joining us, Paul. Yeah. We always love having you, and can't wait to have you uh, back on the live show as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. All right. And we're back at the Blackout Diaries. That was a hilarious Paul Favar who just left us. Uh, we are talking shady lawyers today. Sean yeah. Bear Flannery and CJ Sullivan. Um, I love shady lawyers. The only thing I might like better than a shady lawyer, yeah. CJ, and perhaps it's the same thing, is a fake lawyer. A fake lawyer. <laughs> Fake lawyers are pretty good. This is uh, this story kind of went viral a few weeks ago, and this is from the New York Post. Uh, okay. This is the headline. Fake lawyers arrested in Kenya, including a, quote, brilliant con artist who won 26 straight cases. 26 straight cases. <laughs> he went 26 and 0, and he was a fake lawyer. 26 and, and 0 and this, a fake yeah. lawyer. I see why this interests you, Sean, because you always claim that you could pass the bar test. No, did you need studying, or you said like within twenty four hours? Basically, I think I said I would need two weeks to study. Two I think weeks. I, I think I, I, I think it started with I didn't need to study, and everyone's like, "Come on," you know. <laughs> right. And then I tomorrow like, it worked right, up. You, would, yeah. you start off tomorrow at a bar tomorrow, yeah. no problem, pass a test. But now you would two weeks, and then it would be a weekend because you learned, uh, you know, operating systems in a weekend. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine a cram session a weekend. You'd be able to. I, I, I you know, I don't. Th- I don't bet that you could do it, but I bet you believe you could do it in a weekend of studying. <laughs> I think you threw out the. I think you threw out two weeks just to appease other people to calm down. Like, all right, maybe you know if he works at it, everything. But it probably was. Yeah, I know how you would spend those two weeks too, and <laughs> maybe two days of studying at that at the very end. <laughs> In two in two weeks. Oh yeah, it's coming along fine. Just just fine. <laughs> well, I like this guy. Don't even try to you know fake your way past the bar, but uh, just show up. At, well, I also love this happened in Kenya, which I did not know this. Uh, Kenya, mm-hmm. their lawyers uh, are like British bar- uh, like barristers, where they wear like the powdered wig and everything. So like they're showing the photos of this fake lawyer. He looks like he's on the set for a 19th century uh, like English drama. Like he looks, yeah. he's like model good looking. He's got the powdered wig. <laughs> the powder wig is. It's great. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He does. Um, he does look like an actor. No socks and shoes. But I mean, we never know when it comes to lawyers because that's what they are. They all look like they're all shysters, you know. But he's got great professional headshots. It seems here. I love like they have some of his uh, clients. Uh, um, are tweeting about the story. This mm. guy's great. I still maintain that my lawyer is innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> They're all sticking with right. him because it's he, get, you know, he got him off the yeah, hook. He's twenty six you know? and zero, and at one point, do you need? I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, like what's the difference? You know, if he's twenty six and zero. He gets he gets the job done. But I get it. You know, I mean, I mean, you have to be certain. It's just for it's for other lawyers. Like, well, this guy, any, it's just a, a people. Like anything, it's other people that they want them to suffer the way they suffered. Like, I had to go to law school. Yeah. I had to pass these law tests. I tell you what doesn't help the case. It helps your case of becoming a lawyer. It's, it's like, much like when Oprah won, uh, ran a marathon. Like, well, if Oprah can do it, you know, it's one of those things. When <laughs> Kim Kardashian recently <laughs> became a lawyer, you know, and I, and I think she might have, like, <clears throat> failed the bar test, like, four times or something and finally did it. But she became a lawyer. Well, if Kim Kardashian's a lawyer, you know, that, that kind of yeah, like, yeah. pushes it to that level. 
I feel like when, 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 if your lawyer's failed the bar exam three or four times, it's like the driver's test. Like you don't feel good about it. Like, ah, you finally finally got by. Never kept, never kept, you know, quit. Yeah. Maybe you should have quit, you know? Like, I don't like, there's, there's something you shouldn't have gumption for. Well, but then it's interesting because you talk to, like, actual lawyers. Right. And it's like um, some of them, like, it's actually pretty common to just fail it a bunch of times, you know, because it's like, and that's always why I said I could pass. There's certain people that are just good at taking tests. Testing. And then there are yeah. some people that are not good at taking tests. And yeah. it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with how you're going to operate on that job. Right. Now, that I believe. I believe the job. bar exam has nothing to do with how you're going to yeah. operate as a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it's what is it, a bunch of memorization of court cases and like this. I'm thing. sure it is. It, it probably is, which probably is not how you win. I mean, this guy probably won, probably doesn't know lick about right. the law, but he's probably very charming and yeah. convincing. He, he and owns that's a, how you win cases. He owns a room when he walks in. You know, he puts in. He's got a, he's got a few mints for the for the bailiff girl. You know, whatever. He gives out a little piece of candy and uh, he walks out there, twenty six and zero, and the record speaks for itself. <laughs> I bet there's something That's that they say s- though that sends off some red flags. Like, whoa, what did he just? Like, what term did he just say? Like, <laughs> <laughs> sir, you can't object. It's your own witness. Right. You know? <laughs> I was just making just sure you were. Like, yeah, making sure you were alert. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime they do that, instant reverse. Okay, now you do know what I'm talking about. Then. <laughs> um, I, and I wonder, like, how many people, like, when the story came out, it had to be embarrassing for these people. Who like I wonder how many times he went up against like a high powered attorney. Yeah. And that 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 uh losing plaintiff is like, you lost to a fucking dude off the streets, you know? And like <laughs> so now they have to they have to get him in trouble. Right. Yeah. So they have to bring Which is what down. he's saying. He's saying that he's just being persecuted because they're jealous of mm. uh his win rate. Yeah, and then but but now those course cases get overturned. Like is that like taking the banners off the wall? Like it happened. Sure, my clients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my clients gonna have to serve the jail time. But you, everyone knows those banners don't mean anything. They they, they, they we all witness what happened. It's like the Fab Five, yeah. Right, like the Fab Five. You can't take those memories away from me. <laughs> you can take down all the banners you want, <laughs> but I experienced those championships. <laughs> It would almost be like a win-win situation if you were honest with your client. Like, listen, uh, I feel I'm pretty good at this. I'm not technically a lawyer between you and I, but I feel I, <laughs> right. I have a good chance. If I win, they can't charge you again. If I lose, uh, we say, hey, this guy's not even a lawyer. I deserve a retrial. <laughs> I wonder if that helped him in court where he had no fear of being disbarred, you know, or yeah. doing anything illegal. Like, well, hell, fuck it. What are they going to do to me? <laughs> I'll fucking blackmail the judge. <laughs> <laughs> These guys should be shamed for allowing me in here. How'd you guys even let me in here? It's on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody can admit this now or they all lose their jobs. All right. <laughs> oh, man. This guy's good. Maybe we need to get him on the Blackout Diaries. He's incredible. But there's so many. When we come to lawyers, there's so many we have to get to. Of course, when you, when we think of the shady lawyers, we think uh, we think of DUI lawyers, of course, when it comes to the black, yes. Blackout Diaries. A job you fear for. Now, as your uh, 
perfect world comes up of driverless cars. I'm worried cars. about these guys. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like they've already said, I, I think, was it uh, in 2017, it was the first uh, New Year's Eve in history where the city of San Francisco didn't have a single DUI on, mm. um, on New Year's Eve. Yeah, it's sad. And a lot of these, I actually have a friend who uh, lives in Boulder, Colorado. He owns his own practice. Used to be only DUIs. Mm-hmm. Now he actually has to like supplement his income where half of it is he's actually representing people who drive for Lyft and Uber because he's just like, there aren't as many DUIs because right. people are, and like, I don't think these are the kind of lawyers that are going to easily pivot. You know, like I think the kind of person, <laughs> yeah. the kind of person that does shady DUI law, you don't just clerk for the Supreme Court right. or work in immigration law, you, you know, for uh, Thompson Hines. Yeah, it's not like, what they got into It doesn't this. happen. <laughs> A little rough around the edges, you know? right? <laughs> they'll they'll hold the law sacred as, uh, as your supreme court. Yeah. Said, uh, and I always loved their. I mean, I think that was one of the things that Breaking Bad got like so right is yeah. like the character of Better Call Saul and yeah, the commercials yeah. he had. Like just growing up in Cleveland. Oh, local lawyer all, commercials like, are the best. Oh God, they're hilarious. They're mm-hmm. absolutely hilarious. They're all like completely over the top. It's just like you know. Uh, Sullivan, the hammer, yeah. and like they have a giant hammer <laughs> right. that they swing at the screen. Like I win, I yeah. hammer your opponents. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Those bus stop lawyers—they're incredible. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the best ones. There's one out here. Um, they're, they're so f- I wonder how much they pay in advertising because they're so f- like prominent with it. It must do all their budget. They're all, sh- and I do actually know a couple lawyers like uh, Carl Jacobs, one as one guy big out here. And he does one where he implements himself into sports talk radio where they're doing like a segment. They act like he's doing a segment with this guy. Like he's talking about the Rams or something like that or the Dodgers. Yeah. And next thing you know, he's doing a commercial for him. Like, wait a minute. Was that all set up for a commercial? But he's acting like, thanks for having me on here. Yeah, I can't believe LeBron is, uh, you know, still doing it at this age. And I'll tell you what. Was, Anyways, yeah. if you were injured in a trucking accident, <laughs> right. I would like you to call me. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. I know. Well, I also love have you ever noticed like some of their commercials la has i've heard la commercials that are a little bit different where they add this thing where like if you're debating about calling them they'll be like no case is too small no injury is too fake you cannot waste my time you know just call me let's get (laughs) the case started i'm willing to work you know yeah I'm into frivolous lawsuits. Right, Give me a ring, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will sue anyone. <laughs> Let me worry about that. <laughs> um, so it, yeah, they're just all hilarious, and I don't see these people. Um, I don't know what they're going to do when DUIs. Uh, I know. Go when away. they go into collision, you're right. They're going to have to go into Lyft and Uber drivers. I said, but it's not still not as fun. But it's more of the. Uh, the assault, or maybe collision uh, repair, I guess, or all to be coming into that. Going to uh, <laughs> body shops, yeah. yeah. Body every, shops. every DUI or a lawyer should own a body right. shop too. Absolutely. You know, like listen, and I I know you hit a, a duct, you know, <laughs> so uh, we can also get that front end uh, correct. Yeah, get that. As a matter of fact, let's put a little more damage on your car for the photos because they already have like the fake <laughs> neck braces down in there. You know, let's like, uh, let's really damage your car up. Let's put it into a, like a uh, like a river <laughs> or something. You now when you did your research uh, for your book, Sean. I was just talking about your book, your book yes. of uh, places you can't return. You researched the history of DUIs, and not just the first one, but also I researched- uh, these lawyers. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I, re- I did a lot of research into like the history of DUIs, and I ended up, and maybe we'll get uh, to like uh, the first ever DUI, which is kind of a funny story, but bef- I ended up on this crazy page mm-hmm. for this law firm in Georgia uh, that I think is called, um, it's the Atlanta DUI lawyer. That's like what he calls himself. All like, right. I'm Atlanta's DUI lawyer. Yeah. And he took this off his webpage. Um, his webpage is uh, georgecreel.com. Uh, yeah. But he used to have, and you can still see it if you go to archive.org, he used to have a DUI Hall of Fame on his webpage right. that he maintained that was just some of the uh, the most famous DUIs of all time. And some of them were like historically important, like the first DUI with the breathalyzer. And then others were just celebrities that he thought you should know about their DUI. Like he would have George W. Bush's DUI. Oh, um yeah. It's so it's you know, it's to prove that it's not the end of the world. You know, everyone, celebrities yeah. are just like us. <laughs> I do love. Is it uh, Matt Bronger used to have a joke about that? But like the George W. Bush DUI, like, do you know how fucking drunk he had to be yeah. to get a DUI yeah. in Texas yeah. in the seventies <laughs> when your dad is head of the CIA? <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> like the cop had to be like, I can't let you get back in that car. Like you're going to kill according 10 to, people. Yeah, according to this one, it happened in Maine on Labor Day weekend, George Bush. But he had oh, okay. but he had a house up there. I mean, it's, and he, the, the point's still proven. They, George Bush gets pulled over and his dad is the, you know, from Texas. Like, and they have a house up there. They know, they know where the Bush family's house is in Maine. Got a $150 fine, it says. His drinking privilege in that back when he goes, not the end of the world. You can still become president. Of course, that's back when DUI was a little more than a traffic ticket. <laughs> Where's the one? The good old days. Yeah, the good old days. He puts a little joke in a couple of these. They're so funny. Um, yeah, like the, the he has Jenna Jameson there. He goes, former adult star crashed a Range Rover into a lamppost on Orange County, California on May 25th and was arrested for suspicion of DUI. Yes. Uh, this is great. Um, not the most sultry plot for an adult film. <laughs> of course, an arrest is not a conviction. Mrs. Jameson is innocent until proven guilty by a jury of her peers. Maybe there's something of a plot there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! This is hilarious. Yeah, Paris Hilton all, he puts it, in. It, his, yeah, Paris Hilton goes. The study also go said. What was it? The study says that so a University of Utah study by David Sir claims that drivers who use a cell phone will be more impaired than drunken drivers with blood alcoholics. The driver who is age eighty turns into age seventy. So the earpiece hands free apparently doesn't help much either. They still require a drive to. Actively be a part of a conversation. This is for Paris Hilton's. So that proves okay. cases, cases that some lawyers think are unwinnable are good triable cases if you have the necessary information. That's why it's important to hire a qualified <laughs> DUI lawyer like me, especially if a DUI lawyer in Georgia. Don't be another dumb blonde joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, this, this DUI Hall of Fame of his probably has 500 entries. I mean, like, it's amazing yeah. the level. Like, I almost wonder, like, how was he working on cases while maintaining this? <laughs> I know. It's, I it's mean, so like, what a labor of love. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems so unnecessary to have all these. They said they made him take it down because it's out of, out of taste. I'm guessing somebody was like, I don't know if this is the best look for us here, George. <laughs> like, like, potentially celebrating uh, DUIs. Right. <laughs> 
I like how he throws in this until proven guilty on the other one, like just in case, like Lindsay yeah. Lohan or Michael Madsen or Heather Lockler is looking him up. <laughs> He's going to suit his fucking <laughs> <Atlanta> lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but anyway, speaking on like the history of DUIs, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. we just missed the anniversary. Uh, another thing I found is like I think it was like the History Channel has like these like this day in history things and uh, their entry for September tenth one day was yep. oh this is the anniversary of the first ever DUI mm. September tenth eighteen ninety seven and what it was it was some super uh, rich uh, guy who had a Mercedes Benz Mercedes Benz were like the um, uh, you know, like the first, I think they were the actual first cars that were mass produced even before Ford. Mm-hmm. And I believe he drove it in to a, uh, like he hit maybe a building or something. And I just think it's hilarious that, and he got charged with a DUI. And I'm like, do you know how drunk you probably have to be in 19th century London for cops to make up a charge? <laughs> they got invent something. We can't just allow this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing he was just a rich. I'm guessing he was the first proper BM or Mercedes Benz driver. Where yeah. he's like, "Listen, you fucking coppers, this costs more than you guys will make in oh, your right. lifetime." So Come. leave me the fuck. Like, I'm sure he talked himself into a DUI. Yeah, he came out defensive and argumentative and, dr- and right, entitled, and absolutely like a, like a good old fashioned drunk would. All right, you know what? There's no need for that, sir. Sir, are right, you know what? I, we were gonna like. <laughs> We were going to bring you home now, but now we have to now. You know what, asshole? <laughs> I'll tell you exactly um, how much I had to drink. Why? Is there a law against it? No, but there will be by the end yeah, of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after you, there will be. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, you know, like they used to. It, it actually is pretty fascinating, the history of the DUIs, because like uh, – so, like, the law was created basically at the, you know, the turn of the 1900s, but mm-hmm. they didn't have a way to measure if you were drunk until they actually originally called it the drunkometer, right. and then it became the breathalyzer. Mm-hmm. And the drunkometer, I don't think that was, like, in, like actually available until, like, the 1950s. So there was over 50 years it, where cars were on the road, and there was no way to – and I guess what they used to do, which is kind of bananas, is – if you did something egregious enough while drunk that they charged you with drunk driving prior to the breathalyzer, they would uh, basically depend on witnesses from the bar to show up and say how much you had been drinking. And That's it would be amazing. like a like almost like a murder trial right. where it's like you're the jury is making a decision. And I guess the conviction rate was like zero. Yeah. Like, like like the jury never convicted. I mean, everybody's on drunk. A DUI. Everybody's all your witnesses are drunk. Yeah, I saw him across the street from a bar. I was in this other bar, you know. <laughs> Talk about just like a rogue gallery yeah. of like. I just like you, I, you, I just blew a yeah. New Year's Eve on the drunkometer. The drunkometer sounds like those machines they have in the bar. Then there we, you know, they see if you can do yeah. it, and and everyone just winds up cheering when you see it because you try to bust the machine. Like, yeah, oh, I got it as high as can be. Uh, yeah. Like like a strongman thing. We try to make the ball, the thing hit the bell uh-huh. all the way up to the top, where they blow into it and try to get like a three or something. And everyone cheers. <laughs> the drunkometer. I, 
It's such a tragedy. I wish we lived in the alternate history where it's still called the Drunko Meter. Like that. Like, could you yeah. imagine <laughs> just explaining like, like, oh, I got pulled over in Naperville last night. I blew a <laughs> blew a one point two on the Drunko Meter. <laughs> I know. I think it would. I think it would rat Lodi to uh, the entire scene. Like for uh, both sides, I think it would put a little, uh, you know, little hu- little humor into it, a little humility. It doesn't have to be so well, and, serious. It, the other thing that's great, you could so Google the Drunko Meter if you're listening right now. Mm-hmm. And well, the other thing that was great is it was like a balloon so it also looked funny because you had to blow up this balloon i believe yeah and it was like this large apparatus they could only do it at the station it what the drunkometer wasn't portable so they had to take you to the station and then i think you blew into a balloon that then went through like this weird like it almost looks like frankenstein's laboratory then it goes through these other things and then like it comes out and it gives you like a printout of it there's that, the actual machine here, right? It was a research. And the rest are just T-shirts that say, like, sober, dr- buzz, drunk, Irish, the drunkometer with an arrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, man. Irish. So funny. <laughs> well, Sean, we got one minute left. Do you want to do an open invite or should we wrap it up? We're going around uh, 20 minutes here now. Um, we can do an open uh, let's invite Let's just wrap it up. All right, wrap oh, it okay. Up. Well, you know, nah, nah, right. yeah, wrap, let's just wrap it. Wrap it. Let's just wrap it up. Yeah, uh, we'll save that for later. We got to we got to um, tighten up these shows. That's what the that's what the numbers tell us anyway. That's what they tell us to do. Um, and I also got to uh, we both got to plug some stuff. Uh, I yeah. am going to be. I think this will pub- be published before my Cleveland show. Uh, buy your tickets now. Mercury Music Lounge in Lakewood, Ohio, just outside of Cleveland. Myself and Adam Burke performing live the Friday after uh, Thanksgiving, November twenty fourth. The Friday after Thanksgiving. November yep. 24th in Cleveland, Ohio. The return. Yep. The return of uh <laughs> hometown. Always it's, always it's a great it's a, it's a perfect Sean Flannery on brand. None of my friends who live in Cleveland have ever heard of this place. Um, <laughs> and then when I tell them what it is and they Google Maps, it's like, oh, man, you're performing there? Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, I've been afraid to go in there. It's <laughs> hilarious. And it's on Friday, which is good, which is we're a little too old for the Wednesday before Thanksgiving now, I think. But now the Friday for, for, oh, yeah. for, for, for friends, whatever, to come out and meet, you know, they got to get a range of sitters or whatnot, you know. But that's hilarious. But you still keep it flannery by having it in a location they've never been to in a town they've lived their entire lives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So that's going to be great. What do you got going on, CJ? That's amazing. I'll be in the opposite the day before Thanksgiving. I'll be in Santa Barbara doing a comedy show. At a brewery, though, in Santa Barbara. I forget what it's called. Nice. Which brewery? Um, that's a great you know? question. I won't. I don't know. If the details are on my Instagram. Okay. You can look it up at CJ Sullivan was taken on Instagram. Not like Liam Neeson, just CJ Sullivan was taken, the words. I'll probably give you the deal. It's funny how I always know the breweries, but like Burke was performing at uh, this bar <laughs> in New York. And yeah. I'm like, wait, you're... You're at the Dead Rabbit? He's like, yeah, what's the big deal? I'm like, you don't know the Dead I'm like, it's like one of the five most famous bars in the world. He's like, I, I, I was like, can you, I will get a flight right now if you can get me on that show. And he's like, yeah, no, never heard of it. I don't know. That's but. hilarious. Let me, hold on. Let me, it's, I believe this one's called hmm, Validation Ale. Is that a, does that sound like a brewery in Santa Barbara? I don't know. Uh, that might be. I don't, if they don't distribute out 
side of LA, I probably won't know them, but I'm sure it'll be a great show. I love brewery shows. Brewery shows are the best. Yeah, validation. Everything smells like yeast. Uh, The sound is terrible because it's just like like steel (laughs) walls. Steel walls, a glass, a huge tanks behind you. you They're always dealing with some fucking legal issue, so they can't charge cover. They're like, oh, listen, uh, you you know, uh, the town says because we brew on prem, uh, we don't qualify for a PPA. Like, there's always like this lawyerly explanation for. They're like, we're still going to pay you the agreed amount, but the, there just might be a lot of people here who are not here for the show. You know, like there's like always <laughs> right. like a long explanation like that before a brewery show. Yeah, very actively against the show. Validation Ale is the name of the brewery. It's in Santa Barbara okay. the night before Thanksgiving on Wednesday. So we'll see how that goes. And, be- and beautiful Santa Barbara, California. Also, subscribe to my other show, The Bottom Line Bombs on SGPN, The Man in the Box. You can uh, give this show right here. The Blackout Diaries, five stars and review. Yep. Best review will get an open invite maybe on this show. Who knows? But uh, check Mm -hmm. that out. Um, Tell 50,000 of your friends as well. Other than that, that's going to do it for this week. And, uh, yeah. We will talk to you next week.